0: Amen. Hey, awesome. Thank you all for worshiping with us. Y'all go ahead and grab a seat. If you got your Bible, I hope you do, turn to Romans chapter 2. Romans chapter 2. That would be awesome. Man, y'all like that Nail to the Cross song? Yeah. Man, that's good stuff. I'm oh, sorry, dude. <laughs> <Very> good. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, man, that's an incredible song. Such good truth. Romans chapter 2 is where we're going to be. So I have a question. This is uh, participation. You don't get any points for participation. Sorry, but I'm still going to ask. I know, lame, right? So this is everybody. All, this is an all skate, all right? So um, raise your, or tell me, raise your hand, yes or no. Do you like it when people judge you and look down on you? Do you like that? No. No, it's an easy one. All right, here's the second question Do you like it? <laughs> no, nope, I messed it up. <laughs> do you like to judge other people? Raise your hand. Don't lie to me. <laughs> Don't lie to me. I mean, I'm not saying you wake up in the morning and you're like, like hey, what are you going to do today? Man, it's going to be a great day. I'm going to go judge some people. <laughs> I'm not saying that's what you do, right? But if we're honest, we like to judge people, right? And here in the, well, I mean, to me, it's not technically the South, but Texas is kind of its own thing. And that's not like, that's a good thing. But Texas and, and the cultural South, um, what do people say? Especially like senior adult ladies. That's right. Bless your heart, right? <laughs> like, or they'll just straight up roast somebody for like 10 minutes. And it's like, well, bless their heart. <laughs> like that just erases everything. Right? or I, I catch myself doing this probably too frequently you're you're saying you know so and so they're pretty cool, but right like or or I'll like roast somebody and then follow it up with but yeah they're they're a great guy right? it's so easy to to judge other people and to to look down on them um jesus we're not going to turn there, but Jesus told a story in um luke chapter eighteen yeah Luke chapter eighteen, I believe of uh, he said that two men um, walked into the temple, which it made, when I read that today it made me laugh thinking about like most people or like, guys and they tell jokes like two men walk into a bar. But if you're God the Son, you say two men walked into church, right? <laughs> so he said two men walked into the temple. And one was a Pharisee who in that day and time in that culture was like the most religious person ever. And then one was a tax collector who people looked at as a traitor. The Jews looked at as a traitor, a hypocrite, and not a God follower, just the most, the worst person ever, right? So so these two people walk into the temple and they began to pray. And I'm just going to, you don't have to turn there, but I'm going to turn there real quick so I can um, read his prayer because it's quite humorous. (laughs) Again, Jesus was a really good preacher. He had good stories. Let's see here. So here's the Pharisee's prayer. (laughs) God, sorry, it's legit funny. God, you can see him just kind of looking around. I thank you that I am not like other men, (laughs) extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. (laughs) Lord, I fast twice a week. He says, I give tithes of everything I get. How self-righteous can you be, right? In a prayer, I right? could just say, God, I mean, I, Lord, I thank you that I am awesome. <laughs> That's like what he's saying. He's like, Lord, all I do is win, right? I got giving on my mind, right? Like every time I walk up into church, every hand go up, right? Because... <laughs> All I do is win, Lord, right? Like, that's what I do. Lord, thank you that I'm so amazing. Like, that's, that's what He's praying, right? But we, it's, it, oh, Lord, help me. <laughs> it's so, it's so easy to, to act like that. Like, and again, Jesus is being funny. Like, Jesus was, He was funny, right? He's being funny. Cause no one, well, I mean, Lord willing, you don't legit pray like that. But He's, He's like being a little dramatic to help us see. Into the depth of our heart, how we typically act, right? It makes me think, if you're still in Romans, you remember last week, and I know it was kind of tough stuff last week, but we just gotta teach the word as it is, right? Um, but the end, so it lists all these all these like terrible sins um, that people do, and then in verse thirty two it says, though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die. So I feel like it's, as, you're, as we were saying this last week, and as maybe you read it on your own, it's easy to think about, yeah, all those, all those terrible sinners out there. You just kind of, like even in maybe, hopefully you weren't, but maybe last week as you sat here, and even though I was telling you, like, you do these things too, it's easy to sit there and be like, I don't know, man. These people over here, like, and they're, they're bad. Like, they do some bad things. Lord, Lord, do you know they deserve to die for those things they do? And not only because they do them, but they give approval to those who practice them. So it's easy to sit in church and be like, Lord, I, man, I'm glad I, I, you've kept me from those sins. And Lord, I'm glad that I don't approve of these sins because, Lord, you know, I'm just trying to follow you. I'm trying to do what's right. It's so easy to, to get like on your, on your, well, I can't stand on this, but on your pedestal, right? And look down on people. What is the problem with looking down on people who sin, what's the problem with that? The problem with looking down on people who sin is I do the very same things they do, right? That's the problem. Sorry for screaming. <laughs> I, I, I like stealing all my thunder, but this is the point of what we're going to read tonight, and in Romans chapter two, verses one through sixteen. The problem with, with being all high and mighty and thinking, man, I'm very spiritual, I'm very religious, and looking down on people who, who sin, the problem with that, what the catch with that, is that we're all sinners. Now, well, I'm gonna, I just need to read. I'm going to get ahead of myself. Sorry. All right. Romans chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, and the, therefore is going back. To verse 32 of chapter 1. So, so knowing that people who practice sins and, and, and idolatry and love other things and love themselves before loving God. Knowing that they deserve to die, deserve hell, deserve separation from God. Therefore, knowing all that, you have no excuse, oh man or woman. Every one of you who judges. Man, this is Paul's straight up roasting us. For in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself because you, the Quote, judge, practice the very same things. So you're condemning yourself when you judge other people. He says, we know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. So again, the, the problem with me looking down on other people who sin is that I do the same things. And okay, you, you may say, well, technically I've never murdered someone. Like, okay, <laughs> that, that's, he's saying the point is if you read all of chapter 1, the point is, all of us are sinners. And again, at the core of sin is idolatry, right? That I'm choosing to love something or someone or that someone could be myself other than God. To love myself or something supremely other than God. And rather than loving people as I should, I, I love myself as I think I should love myself, right? We, we're all guilty of that. And again, I love that he throw this in there. So if you go back, and this is not a sermon on chapter one, but if you go back, it's easy. A lot of Christians... Um, it's easy to pick on homosexuality in chapter 1, which it, which it is a sin, listed as a sin. But again, I said this last week, remember it also, in that same list, list being, or it says, being disobedient to parents. Which, like, we're all guilty of, right? I mean, uh, we're all guilty of that. So, maybe you haven't done every single sin in that list, but we're all sinners. So he says, it's ridiculous to get all judgy and think you're all spiritual, because... You do the same things. Verse 3. Do you suppose, O oh man, you who judge those who practice such things and yet do them yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? What's the answer he's implying? No. Verse 4. Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience? So so do you have the attitude of, ah, it'll probably be Okay. <laughs> isn 't it easy to point out others faults and their sins, but when it comes to us we're always like well, there was a reason right like look, it had been a long week i just I was really tired, I made a mistake but but when they did it, man they mm, Lord bless them, they are sinners <laughs> he said don 't presume on god 's kindness and riches and just think ah, i 'll be okay i 'm good he says his kindness forbearance and patience don 't presume on them. Not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. So, yes, God is kind and He's patient with people. But it's to lead to repentance. It says The problem is, all of us, we continue to sin. We're all sinners. So rather than, than repenting and doing what's right, here's what we do. Verse 5. But because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath, wrath. When God's righteous judgment... Will be revealed. So, all of us, even though we try to make, try, try to think and act like, man, I've got my life together and I'm doing the right things, I'm trying to follow God, the reality is, as much as we maybe put up a facade, all of us are still sinners. And so, rather than doing the right thing, it's like we're just over here, just kind of gathering up some wrath for, for one day later. Like, here, God, I've stored up all this wrath because I won't quit sinning, right? Like, we're storing up, sorry, Tatum, like, we, we're storing up wrath. And here's the reality. Look at verse six. So we're all sinners, even though we might try to put up a facade that we're not. Verse six. Here's the reality. He will render to each one according to his works. Jump down to verse eleven. I'm gonna I think this is the best way, I'm gonna give you some context to understand these verses. Verse eleven for God shows no partiality. What's he saying? Yeah, no favorite. Was that Audrey? Yeah, God has no favorites. There's no, because of what you do or your status, social status, whatever, there's no in crowd with God. He's not going to show partiality. So on the day of judgment, he's not going to look at you and be like, or about, oh, Brandon, that's my boy. He used to preach. Ah, I know you dumb and you sin, but come on in. Like, no, he, there, there's no favorites. There's no in crowd. So look at verse 7, and I want you to, I'm going to say this up front, I normally don't do this, but I think to make sure we get it. The point, when we read this, he's not, the point is not to make you feel good about, oh man, I do those things, I'm a good person. We shouldn't read these verses and feel good about ourselves. Knowing that, let's check it out. So I'm going to start over in verse 6. He will render to each one according to his works to those who by patience and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality. He will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. There will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil, the Jew first and also the Greek. But glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good, the Jew first and also the Greek. For God chose no partiality. Excuse me, for God shows no partiality. So let's back up. There will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil. Guess what? That's you and me. We don't read this and think, man, good thing I've... Perfectly sought after glory and honor, and I've sought after immortality. Meaning, I've placed all my life's emphasis on heavenly things and not earthly things. Good thing I've done that, so I can go to heaven. No, no, no. You don't read it if you read it that way. Then you're missing the point. All of us have done evil, and the problem is, like the reality is, again, there's no in crowd with God. There's no favorites. The fact is, all of us are sinners. No matter how much we want to put up a facade and, and, oh, I don't do those things. And judge people who, who we look down upon, or look down upon people who sin and we think are worse than us. God's not going to show partiality. Verse 12. For all have sinned without the law, excuse me, for all who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law. And all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. By Christ Jesus. So he's saying, with or without the law, everyone, so whether they have God's word or whether they don't, everyone ultimately has sinned. He says, the doers of the law will be justified, but the implication here is none of us are doers. <laughs> like we might try on occasion try to do something, but all of us, or let's say it this way, none of us have kept God's word, his law, his expectation for righteousness perfectly. As much as, again, we want to, put up that act and look down on other people to to try to make ourselves feel like we're above them and better than them. All of us have failed. So again, the point of all this, the problem with looking down on people who sin is that I do the very same sinful things. There's a story in the Old Testament. I think it's 2 Samuel 12. That sounds right. 2 Samuel 12 where leading up to 2 Samuel 12, King David, all y'all know this story, but King David um, was the king of Israel, supposed to be the leader of God's people. Um, he was in his palace, in his, in his palace, that's the right word, uh, as the king. And he looked out and he saw another man's wife. Her name was Bathsheba. She was married to Uriah, but he saw Bathsheba. Long story short, he lusted after her, brought him to his palace, and slept with her. Which, according to God's standards, is is a sin, right? Just to have sex with someone who's not your spouse. So, once they found out they were going to have a baby, he's like, man, i got to cover my tracks. So, he, Uriah was out at war, like, like he was supposed to be doing. Called Uriah home. Um, tried to get Uriah to sleep with Bathsheba, but... Again, long story short, he's like, man, my the, the men that I lead and that I fight with, they can't come home and, and get to enjoy being with their wives, and so I'm not going to do that. So, what did David do? Basically, gave him his own death notice, right? Like, um, or wish for death. Gave him a letter to give to his commander, and which put Uriah on the front lines, and he was killed. So, in Second Samuel 12, the prophet Nathan. Came to David and he said, "Hey, David, King David, I wanna, I wanna tell you about something. This is, man, this is crazy." He said there were two men. There's a rich man who had everything, had all these flocks, had everything, and there was a poor man, and all he had was one little ewe lamb, Just one little lamb. And to this poor man, that lamb it meant everything to him. King David, a traveler came into the town where this poor man and this rich man lived, a traveler came in, and the rich man though he had so much of everything and could have easily given something to the traveler the rich man took the little ewe lamb from the poor man and gave it to this traveler it says in 2 Samuel 12 that King David stood up and he was furious who would do such a thing, this man's got to pay And what did Nathan say? Hey, David, it's you, bro. You are the man. You're the one who's really messed up. (laughs) See, Paul in Romans 2 is almost like Nathan was to David coming to us tonight and saying, Hey, it's easy to point out the sins in others and, and want to put judgment on them, but you and you, you're sinners. Again, you can act like you got it together, but you're sinners. None of us are righteous. None of us have done good enough to be right with God, as much as we want not try to act like it. So therefore, none of us have a right to stand up and look down on other people as though we're better than them. And yeah, I'm I'm, I'm a more righteous person. I've done good. There's only one person in human history who has the right to look down and judge dirty, sinful Messed up people like you and me. His name is Jesus. And you know what? He didn't come to judge us. He came to redeem and rescue us. Amen? The one who actually has the right to come and say, man, literally to hell with y'all, says, hey, I want to rescue you. I want to redeem you. See, real Christians don't think they have it all together. No, real Christians love and trust Jesus because they know they don't have it together. So they run to Jesus. That's what real Christians, that's what being a Christian is about. So the point of what ultimately the big picture of Romans, what Paul is trying to do in Romans 2, is to, is to say to us, hey, quit trying to hide your sin and deny it and act like it doesn't exist. No, forget that. Throw it away. Run to Jesus because you're not good, but he's really, really good. In fact, he's perfect. So run to him. Again, it all goes back to Romans 1, 16 through 17, that the righteousness from God is revealed in Christ, right? None of us are righteous. But we can have the righteousness, the forgiveness, the cleansing of God through what Jesus has done for us. None of us are good. That's why we need Jesus. You say, man, Brandon, you're, you're okay, God, but that's kind of offensive. <laughs> right? <laughs> and you know what? The offense in the gospel is what makes the gospel so beautiful. If there's no offense, like if we're, if we're good people, then why did Jesus have to come die for us? The, the beauty of the gospel come, or begins with the fact that we're really messed up and in spite of that, Jesus came to make a mess out of his life to save and redeem and rescue us. That's the beauty of the gospel. Again, real Christians don't think they have it all together. No, they love and trust Jesus because they know they don't have it all together. So, so the call is to abandon what you think is your goodness, and to, to trust in the goodness of Jesus. The story I mentioned when I started from uh, Luke eighteen about the, the Pharisee and the tax collector. So the, remember, the Pharisee's like he's singing all of those win over there in the temple, and he's so amazed with himself. Do you know what the what the tax collector was doing? So he was beating on his chest and saying, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Like, wouldn't even look up. Have mercy on me, God. I know I messed up. And you know how Jesus ends the story? He says, the tax collector is the one who left justified, meaning in a right relationship with God. I remember David's dad, used to always hear hear him say this when I was his youth pastor back in the day. Or, I mean, he was the pastor. I was a youth pastor. And he would always say, justified. God looks at me just as if I'd never sinned. The tax collector, the one who just embraced his sin, experienced the forgiveness, the grace of God. The Pharisee who denied his sin, would again, in Jesus' story, would one day go on to face the wrath of God, ultimately in a place called hell. So if I could sum all this up in one little like short saying. <laughs> Denial leads... To wrath Embrace Meaning embracing that I'm messed up Embrace leads to grace Denial leads to wrath Embrace leads to grace So Just kind of wrap up here I, I think um, I'm going to assume there's people in this room Tonight that need, that this would be uh, Appropriate for um, an apology is due. If you're here tonight, you're not a believer. Maybe you're here tonight. I'm sorry. I guess here who I'm thinking of is people that you you've, you wouldn't even say you're a Christian. You kind of help held Jesus like stiff arm kind of thing, and you're like, I, I'm not interested. And maybe the reason you've not been interested is because of the hypocrisy, the judgmentalism of Christians. So you've said, man. You know, Jesus sounds kind of cool and the hope that he offers, the forgiveness he offers. But man, everybody that says they're a Christian, they're just they're kind of a jerk. They're kind of stuck up. And the reality is they, they do the same things. I just spit, sorry. <laughs> they do the same things I do. So maybe you've said, I'm not interested. So I want, here's a public apology on behalf. Of, and I, I would, I'm one of the problems. Like I, I'm guilty of the things I've described. So here, here's an official apology. But listen, don't let the hypocrisy, the denial, the ignorance of people who say they're Christians keep you from Jesus. Because God, through Paul, is straight up telling us, hey, everybody's messed up and that's why they need Jesus. So maybe quit worrying about other people and and just run to Jesus because you need them, just like I need them. So tonight, here in a, in a few minutes, um, we're going to sing. Um, and while we're singing, I'm going to have I'm going to ask uh, Deborah and Jonathan and Becca just to be back in the back back there. And if you're like, you know what, I think it's time I I need to turn to Christ, I, I'm ready to to repent for my sin and put my faith and trust in Jesus. They would love to talk with you and pray with it, pray with you about that. May, maybe you're here tonight to so kind of shift a little bit here. Maybe you're here tonight. And you thought you were a Christian, but it's always been based on, well, I mean, I don't do what they do. And, and you're kind of the Pharisee of the story. God, I'm a pretty good person. Thank you that you love me because I'm good. It's hard for you not to love me because I'm pretty amazing. Right? Maybe that's you tonight. And I want to invite you to quit denying your sin because that's going to, if I'm going to be honest, it's going to lead you to wrath. And I'm going to encourage you and actually implore you to just embrace the fact that you're really messed up and therefore turn and run to Jesus for salvation. If you, if I asked you tonight, what, why would you say you're a Christian? How do you know you're going to heaven? And you said, oh, that's kind of always done the church thing. I've been a pretty pretty good person. Then you don't get it. Because <laughs> like Brittany told the lady at the hospital, we're all bad. <laughs> and that's why we need Jesus. So again, Jonathan, Deborah, Rebecca will be back today. I'd love to pray with you and explain kind of more what this means. Help you put your faith in Christ. And then quickly, Third group of people I want to talk to tonight is believers, who you you know, and I'm not saying you know. I'm not into that whole hundred percent thing because I think that's uh, confusing. Um, anyway, sorry. So, but you know your gut, man. Though you've had doubts occasionally, you know, man. I, 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 I'm not trusting in myself for salvation. I'm trusting in Jesus. I'm following Him. If that's you, then you're a Christian, even if sometimes you doubt it that's you tonight, I want to challenge you and encourage you to stop comparing yourself to other people and making yourself feel good about your faith based on how much better than them you're doing. Because here's the reality. You know the, you know the saying, um, uh, comparison is the thief of joy? Which that's true. When you compare yourself, well, well, what I have is nice, but what they have is way cooler. That still is your joy. But it's actually true on a much bigger scale. And here's how: when you compare yourself to other people, and in the sense of judging and looking down on them, and I think I'm a better person than them, that actually causes you to start trusting in your own goodness, even as a Christian, to start kind of thinking, "Man, I'm pretty good." And we start relying on your own goodness—quote, goodness—and trusting yourself. It's going to cause you to take your eyes off the goodness and the glory and the, and the grace of Jesus, which is the ultimate joy in life. <laughs> Comparison really is the thief of joy. Even if it's not jealous comparison, if it's judgmental comparison, absolutely. It's going to steal your joy because it's going to steal you from focusing and delighting in the forgiveness and the grace and love of Jesus. Real Christians don't think they have it all together. They love and trust Jesus because they know they don't have it all together. I'm going to give just a second always feels appropriate um, to maybe sit and consider which one of those three you are. You know you're not a Christian. you not claimed to be. You need to turn to Christ tonight. You thought you are a Christian because you've been a good person. But now you realize you're not good and you need Jesus. You're one of those two people, Matt. I would love in a moment when we start singing for you to go talk to the folks in the back. But for, for believers, I want to encourage you in this kind of still moment just to Say, Jesus, help me to quit thinking I'm good and to realize that you were good for me. So I want to trust you and love you and delight in you. Does that make sense? Give us a second to pray, just a, few, a, second, a minute or two to pray and talk to Christ and think how you need to respond. Um, and then I'll pray for us and we're going to sing one more song and just rejoice in uh, the gospel. So y'all would just take a moment to talk with God. see whether or not we're on a road to face your wrath or whether or not we've really just quit trusting ourselves and learned to trust you now we know it's, it's a fact the scripture tells us that once we start trusting you you are going to change your hearts you are going to change the way we live so that we do start pursuing and seeking your righteousness Lord. but apart from you <laughs> we're a mess God, I pray that for people that don't know you tonight, that you would save them, that you would redeem them, Lord, and they they would respond. Lord, for believers tonight, God, I pray that as we sing this song, we would realize that we're the hypocrite. We're the lost, sick sheep that you came to rescue and redeem, Lord. And that's what makes the gospel so beautiful, that in spite of our rebellion and our disdain for you, you have pursued us to no end. So, Lord, I pray that as we sing, our hearts would be full, we would rejoice, and that our joy in you and what you've done for us would cause us to share the good news with other folks. God, we love you, and I pray that as we sing, we would stir our affection for you. In your name we pray, amen.